This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. When was the last time you whitened your teeth? I had to go to the dentist because I drink about three cups of tea a day and my teeth can get really stained really quickly. And if that's you with the holidays coming up and all of these smiling pictures that you're going to be in, you want to get your teeth the whitest as possible. And now you can do it without going to the dentist. You can go to buypowerswabs.com and use my code Hunter. Listen, this year, the teeth can be whitened and you've never whitened your teeth until you whiten them with power swabs. They're clinically proven to whiten an average of two shades in the first five minutes. I'm talking five minutes and power swabs will never leave your teeth and gums sore or sensitive like the other whitening treatments and they're totally safe and effective on all dental work. And if you're not happy, power swabs are backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So go try power swabs and you'll not believe how much whiter your teeth will be in just five minutes. And I have a great deal for you. When you go to buypowerswabs.com and you use my code Karen, you get 40% off and an additional $10 off plus a free quick stick. That's right. 40% off plus $10 off plus a free quick stick at buypowerswabs.com code Karen, or you can call them 800 800- 668-1790-1749, use code Karen. That's 800-668-1749, use code Karen, or go to B-U-Y, buy, powerswabs.com today. <laughs> Ajua Asamoah is here, as well as Dr. Greg Carr, chair of Howard University's Department of Afro-American Studies. That means everybody has an Afro. That's right. And they're American. <laughs> and right. they study. And we study. <laughs> All right. A um, couple of things that we put out about the patriotism. We'll go back to the phones in a second. Um, I also want to, we're being triggered in this country. Uh, every day, folk, you know, whether we're talking about Buffalo Wild Wings, where a white man didn't want to sit next to black people, white people in, in Walmart calling Trina nigga bitch. Yeah. Uh, got got our rappers, raptresses out there in them streets, <laughs> losing their minds over. God. Yeah, and, and and a man trying to eat a breakfast sandwich. Um, teacher got punched in the face by a white kid in in a in a school, and she hooked off on this guy. I mean, she, she obliterated this young girl, hey. and they call her special needs, which she probably is. I think she has seizures or whatever. But the girl put her hands on a grown woman. Come on, there's no accountability. None. But I feel like we're being set up and triggered time and time again. Of course, police brutality, young boys in New York hemmed up. I don't know. I do know. I don't want us to be passive. But I just feel like the, 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 this, this is to get us off of our game. Oh, yeah. And strategy and tactics. We got to see it when it's coming, know what the time, you know, I don't know, Dr. Dr. Carr, maybe you can uh, suss through this historically. No, no, no. I think, um, again, the whole theme that these couple of hours we've spent together so far, and when you had the congressman here, you know, organization is, is, is critical to this, and education is critical. But when we don't have institutions, strong institutions, I mean, can you imagine putting your hands on any older person? a teacher or someone in a school. But that was at a time when schools had a different role in the society. We're living in a society now where the demographics have shifted so deeply that they're not, there's not the same kind of connection. 
you know, think about, for example, the charter school movement and think about even here in D.C. What was the uh, woman's name? It used to be uh, city council. Is it Christine Quinn or was it? Eva Moskowitz, the one who has oh, these Eva charter Moskowitz. schools. Oh, Eva Moskowitz, she's got Harlem Success. Harlem uh, success. Is it Harlem Success? Yeah. yeah. There's a new book oh, out that's talking academy. about why that, that, that academy has been successful. And one of the things is they require the parents to be so involved. And you think about it, and, and one of the critiques is that in order for these parents to have that level of involvement, they have to perhaps miss work. I mean, these are people who are working. I mean, they're working poor, working class, so they want their children to achieve, but the price for them getting in that charter school and achieving, which leads to the test scores and the success, is a level of involvement that our people literally can't afford to have. Now, the question I ask is, well, what did we do before the present day? Well, that was a different type of community. But in order for us to move forward, in order to discipline children, in order perhaps for our young people to have a different worldview, we have to surround them as a community. In order to do that, we have to have a foundation under us, and that's where the politicians come in. It isn't about an empowerment zone, or it isn't about two or three black business people getting a lot of money. It's about how can I create this thing so this person only needs to have one job and she can be at school for the PTA meeting. That's the role of the politician. So talk about these schools and, and how you insert curriculum into a community. Uh, Brazil, oh. France, South Africa. Oh, yeah. What, so what, what's, the, what's the anatomy of that? Well, um, you know, we were very fortunate when we were in Philadelphia because, again, and this is a lesson out here. In fact, one of the pages of the lesson of what we did in Philadelphia came from the New York area, came from Ocean Hill, Brownsville. 1967-68, the fight for community school control. Les Campbell, and we know Baba Jitueyusi, a place called the East in Brooklyn, where they used to do the African Center education in the 60s and 70s. John Coltrane, the, the Olatunji Center in, in Manhattan. But what we did in Philadelphia came out of that same movement. In the late 60s, people all over this country took over school buildings, took over school districts. And in Philadelphia, they demanded African-American history be taught in public schools in 1967. A cop named Frank Rizzo, who ended up being the mayor of Philadelphia, loosed his young recruits on these young people who had marched out of those schools and beat them senseless in 1967. It took them 40 years in Philadelphia to finally win that war. The School Reform Commission said in 2007, you have to have a mandatory African-American history course. So at the time, I had been working with the school district for a number of years, and so they asked me to lead a team of, of scholars to put the curriculum together. We wrote that curriculum. And so what we have in Philadelphia is a curriculum that asks these young people to ask who they are by first asking their parents mm. who they were, where would you come from, and then their parents, and so forth and so on. And so we start as far back as we can in history, but we also start where every human being can start. Ask a young person, have you talked to the oldest person in your family and asked them who their heroes were when they were your age? The answers to those alone, these young people start coming up with, wait a minute, I don't necessarily just have to look at Toussaint Louverture or Harriet Tubman. My grandmother said that her grandmother left Georgia after she punched a white man in the face, and that's how we ended up in New York. I mean, in other words, resistance is in your blood. It's in your family. That's the curriculum that we began to pilot. And when finally, when we went to Brazil, uh, this was 2005, right before as we were writing. Who brought you there, though? Well, the, actually the government, the federal government of Bahia. See, Salvador Bahia is the blackest state in Brazil. That's where a lot of I mean, Afro-Brazilians mm -hmm. are all over. In fact, it's some the people, largest uh, body of Africans outside of Africa. That's exactly right. And a lot of those Negroes came from South Central Africa and the Bight of Bahia and Bight of Benin. So you know how crazy Nigerians can be. Well, a lot of them got cousins in. I know Ghanaians are very nice people. Y'all calm and peaceful. But these American Negroes, you can tell we got some Yoruba blood in us and some Igbo blood and some turn up Negroes. In Brazil, they weren't having it. They, too, took over their schools. So they invited us down and we shared notes. One of the fascinating things when we went, they had elementary school children looking at, this is where your ancestors came from in Africa. So we're looking at the maps. And, and as you said, this underscores the point you just made, Karen. 
they had a map of Africa, and you see the arrow going to Brazil. Then you see another arrow going to the Caribbean. Then you see another arrow going back to Africa. You know what wasn't on the map? Anything north of the Caribbean. They said, we brought y'all down here in part because we don't know what y'all do. Now think about that. African people in the United States, African Americans, often, often think of America as the United States. In many parts of the Western Hemisphere, the Africans in those parts don't know anything about African Americans except what they see on television. That's right. They, they don't know anything about. And so we spent a week just in conversation with school teachers about this is what happened to us during enslavement. We're your cousins who we don't talk about. And finally, if anybody wants to really understand how powerful that can be, when was the last time most people listening to your show ever thought about the black people in Brazil? Most people are probably going to say, I never thought about them. Well, guess what? They're taught never to think about us. A lot of this is just about getting to know each other. And then we, you know, we, we, we take it from there. And embracing Pan-Africanism mm-hmm. in its true form. That's right. 866-801-8255. All right, what's in this curriculum besides asking people who they are and where, well, where their people come from? The first challenge we had was to ask different questions. So the first question, as we say, is who are African people to each other? Then we ask who are African people to other people? Then we asked, what science and technology did Africans develop in any moment that helped advance our, our lives? Then we asked, what ways of knowing did we develop? What ways of understanding the world? And then we asked two final questions. So there are six questions total. The fifth question is, as we remember something in our history, how do we pass that memory on through time? And the last one is, what did we create in that moment to help us understand? So the music we've been listening let's, let's to. Let's break down again. Okay. Number one. Number one, we call that the social structure question. Who are Africans to other people? Give you a very specific example. Uh, we've all heard of Phyllis Wheatley. Phyllis Wheatley, they say, is the first black poet in, the Amer- in America, North America. That's who she is to other people. That's what they call the social structure question. So it's young people study Phyllis Wheatley. And so she's a black poet. But then the question becomes, do you think she was the only poet? whoever got on a boat from Africa? Well, I never thought about it. That's where the second question Mm -hmm. comes in. That's what we call the governance question. First one is social structure. Who are the Africans to other people? The second one is the governance question. Who are they to each other? Did Phyllis Wheatley have a mother? Probably. Some siblings? Maybe. Did she only speak English? No, she didn't. No. Then you come find out the scholars say that one of her names was probably Fatima. She's probably a Muslim. She's probably Wolof. She's probably from what now is Senegal, which means English is probably her third language. And then she picked up some Greek and some Latin. And when you read her poetry, you see her alluding to all this stuff. But because you never asked who she was to her mother and father or did she have a husband? Her name was not Phyllis or Wheatley. Wheatley was the boat. I mean, Wheatley was the family. The Phyllis was the boat they brought her on. That's not her name any more than people come to school and people want to give them nicknames because they can't pronounce their name. And what could a six-year-old really know about a continent? What the amazing thing about Phyllis Wheatley is, you would think maybe not much, but when you read her poetry, you realize that what she could remember, she left it in the poems. She's talking about praying by the river. She's talking about the sun coming up from the east. And so the scholars say, clearly this young girl was exposed to Islam. She may have been, a, she probably was a Muslim or at least. And so, but we don't even think about that because we don't even ask the right question. So who is Martin Luther King? Well, he was a civil rights leader. No, he was Michael King. And his father went down and changed their names when he when he was a little boy. And he had a mother and father and his auntie and them loved him. And his, and his grandfather went to more. I mean, but you never ask who he is to the community. Which is the governance. Which is the governance question. What's the third? The third one is ways of knowing. 
which ways uh, did Africans create to understand the world they live in? The epistemology. Yeah, epistemology. And, and so, and, and that's very good, Ajwa, it's very important because instead of saying epistemology, we, we wanted to come up with a category that everybody could understand. We didn't want to say religion because everybody didn't go to church or mosque or synagogue or worship Ifa or we didn't want to say that. So we said ways of knowing. So for example, you ask most black people what the rule is, they can tell you, well, step on a crack, somebody finished the sentence. Break, Break your, your mama's back. back. Now the question is why? Well, why do everybody say that? Even though black people from three different parts of the African world can all say that. It's because in many African ways of knowing, lines symbolize intersections between spiritual forces. You don't cross a line without a rule. And people say, oh, Africans didn't have no rule. No, no, our beliefs inform the world's beliefs. Right. You don't split a poll. If you split a poll, the elder got to go back around or the younger got to go. You don't. And for us, the most important value. We in brought Af that here? The yes, split of the poll? Of course. It's Karen. Chicago people I didn't did know. that. Oh, How would I know? This. this they is, don't teach this in schools. Wait, I went to Catholic no, school. But, true. No, but, but can't, this they important. definitely teach this in Catholic school. But see, this is the thing, and that goes back to the governance question. No, they don't teach it in school, but you learned it at home and in community. Meaning what? Who are we to each other? The Their relationship. The, the, exactly. On. The central value in African ways of knowing all over the world is relationship. Relationships. Who are you to other people? Who's your mama? So that's Where number three. That's who are your three. people? Who, who are your people? Ways of knowing is the third oh. one. And Who are your people? All right, fourth. And the fourth one is um, science and technology. What ways did we develop to interact with our material reality and improve our living conditions? Give and me we, an example. Okay, very very quickly. People say, what did black people grow during slavery? And the first, most, first, first thing most people say. Rice. Cotton. They cane. say cotton. They say cotton. Yeah, because cane was the thing. Sugar is the first international Before, drug trade. Sugar was the first. Sure. But, but we you know, said that but was the drug know, trade. No question. You better tell people no question. Sugar, that sugar was the drug sugar trade. Sugar, tobacco, and coffee is why we sitting here speaking in English. Drug Period. trade. It's a purebred drug trade. The Dutch, the English, many ways. But we can have that conversation as academics. When we say cotton, we know that's what we've been socialized to think. Negroes picking cotton. So here's the question. Who invented the cotton gin? Eli Whitney? Wait, no, 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 no. Come on. Did Eli Whitney pick cotton? I'm just curious. No. No, he did not. <laughs> no, he did not. I said that he didn't. So he, no, he, he didn't. Did, of course cotton. he didn't. I said he didn't invent you, it. You're watching these Negroes problem solve. In other words, I got to get 100 pounds of cotton in this long sack before I had to beat somebody before they try to whip me. And I got to get these seeds out. So you're bringing the technology. Rather than get with my hands, we could comb through this. Oh, we could, all right, let me think. So when you add invention is necessity. That's what it is. The so mother look, of The it. mother That's of it. That's what they tell us. All these, the architecture of Africans that we now see that what we call New Orleans style uh, fences or Charleston. <laughs> no. Did, did you build a house? Did you invent uh, architecture? No. We invented all the, the columns they call Greek. Columns came out of, of, of Egypt. Egypt. No question. Come on. No, the first, in fact, we take students every August. We stand in the first stone structure in the world. The first idea of a roof all this stuff is our stuff the science technology question asked how do africans look out on the world and say we got to improve this they didn't come and get black women because they were dumb they come and got black women out of what is now sierra leone to grow rice because they were the ones who knew rice growing culture, culture. ain't no rice, rice patties in england you people are among the least developed societies in the world at the time they came and got Africans. Not only did Africans do the labor, they brought the intellectual work. So that 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 category of science and technology erases the idea that black black kids can't do STEM. We don't talk about STEM. We don't need an acronym. Just ask the right question. How did you solve the problem of plaiting that girl's hair and it looks like you had a ruler when you went through her hair? You put all them designs in and ain't nobody showed you at school. Why? You learned that at home. 
You know how to do spatial or what they call fractal geometry. You do it every time you 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 braid somebody's hair. Now let's go write this equation down so you can figure out how to do it. Changing the questions opens up the entire curriculum. Number five, number Greg five, Carr. Dr. Greg Carr. No, 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 no. Number five is movement and memory. Movement so when, memory. when we think about movement and memory, it's like how do we remember important times in our history and our memory? So, for example, we're sitting here in New York City. If you say the name Malcolm X, everybody knows Malcolm. How do we remember Malcolm? He becomes a mythological figure. As you say, you heard Congressman Meeks talk about Malcolm versus Martin, this kind of thing. Or better yet, let's put it this way. What would you think might be one of the most famous songs to be to come out of a New York composer in the last hundred years, a black New York composer? One that if you played it, somebody who has no business knowing that music would know. Something from Biggie. No, I'm just playing. Okay. Just playing. No, no, no. Let, let's put Boogie. Let's because that may help us with the last category. Let's say let's say Biggie. So let's say Juicy. Or Jay-Z. Jay-Z. Okay. Yeah. New York State of yeah, Mind right. or whatever you okay. want to say, right? You right. know, So now you got a bunch of 17-year-olds and you play something Jay-Z. And the New Yorker was like, yeah, we from New York. We're some from California. Say, I like that, but I like Too Short or I like Too Pop. Okay. Then you say, I've been really trying, baby. And then all of them start singing like they were there when Marvin Gaye recorded Let's Get It On. How do Africans remember a moment? What we see is what we do well, we then preserve and pass on from generation to generation to generation. It's a reason why Frankie Beverly can get up and sing Before I Let oh Go. And everybody, everybody from two years everybody. old to two can sing that song. Why? Because this da, is our da, values, da. no question. And Beyonce da, da, da. can remix it. Da, da, da. And you say, okay, you're, you're paying homage. Because that sixth category asks, what is it that we created culturally that is so powerful that it speaks to the highest of our values? And mm. that's music, and that's art. I mean, we know Maya Angelou. We know, yes. you know these, are, and that's when people say art. And so, so, go ahead. so let me back to the fifth because we are a griots. We are a spoken word people. That's right. We speak our history into, but the people who write, who are written word people, yes, steal the spoken word people speaking. Yes. And put it in books, and yes. then they changed the heroes. That's right. Well, and, and that's I'm so glad you raised that. The French, but the French came to West Africa, and they gave the name griot or storyteller to what they saw happening. But when you look at the West Africans, there's a there's a historian from Burkina Faso named Hampate Ba. He gives us a word from the Bambara, Jali. We can spell mm -hmm. it J-A-L-I or D-J-A-L-I. That word literally means blood. What does that mean? He says the person who keeps the memory in the society has the same function as blood in the human body. Without you your memory, it. your body dies. That's right. Without your blood, it dies. So, so, so when they say griot, they say that's storyteller. No, it's, no, no, no. You thought storyteller because in your social structure, you couldn't understand the importance of memory in our community. Which makes it so important. With getting back to the very first thing we talked about when we got on these airwaves, not following behind people right. that are not telling the whole truth. That's right. Nothing but the truth. And we're repeating lies among ourselves. And we're repeating ideology that is not useful or productive for black people and we're following people who don't have the discourse that's who right. don't have the knowledge who don't have the scholarship that's right to be able to even teach that's right and i'm not even i'm not a teacher on these airways no yes I'm, you are no 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 I'm, I'm saying that i bring people on to bring people the knowledge oh, that they need to have i'm a conductor an architect i'm gonna push this thing through but i don't sit in the seat of teacher on these airways because at the end of the day the knowledge that we have to get we have to get on our own Sure. Unfortunately, we have to be a little bit autodidactic, but we have to go after right. sources that can bring it 
in the way that you just dropped it. And I want to just thank you for doing no, the work I'm, of I'm, going to school. I'm pl- listen, listen, <laughs> learning not, stuff and not, traveling. And listen, not only am I glad to be here, it, it it's a sacrifice only in the sense that we don't value the things we should value. It's, so it's no sacrifice at all, in other words. And when you say that, I mean, with all due respect, I, I would slightly disagree, or I look at it a little differently. When Congressman Meeks was here, and you brought up Adam Powell, and you didn't bring up Adam Powell from like just reading and studying. You said, no, 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 I can I can tell you about this. I'll go hard to pay for Adam Powell for this reason. That is the function of a memory keeper. In other words, I, we can't have this contemporary conversation without being in context. And I'm not coming in context off of something I read. This has been passed through, due Passed through me, the blood, through the blood, through the jolly. So in that function, you're a jolly. It's a memory keeper. So Audra knows her people. I mean, you know, these Ghanaian Negroes, these folks were the were the the absolute best at preserving memory. So you know, Audra, your political activism is not because you came. You know, people came here and said, "Okay, we're gonna, you know, we need to fight our way into citizenship." I know that's that. That's the that's the African in her. We don't. The, the so we Ashanti, can't throw anybody away. Oh no, no, it's not. No. In, in fact, in fact, that is sometimes our weakness. In, in, in a political climate where we won't have certain hard conversations, we're gonna take everybody with us. And when people say democracy in America. Democracy is a, is a kind of a silly concept in some ways because the Greeks never had it. Not the way we think about it, the demos. They always said no women, no enslaved, only the elites, no, no people who didn't own land. The only people in this American experiment who have ever committed to everybody eats are the people who were here when we all were brought into this, namely the Native Americans. People talk about slavery being the original sin. Nah, you don't forget our first blood kin. It was them that took the ultimate L. This is, we're on their land. And the only other group was us. Wherever we came from in Africa, there's a principle in most of those societies. Everybody eats, everybody sings. I can't sing, don't matter. We're going to sing the thing so loud that you just hum in it. And <laughs> find your, find ex- your note. Exactly, which means everybody votes which means everybody participates, which means everybody gets health care. People think of this thing like somehow we're being democratic. No, y'all have never had this in England and France. You never had any of this. The only people who said everybody gets taken care of are the people where they don't even have words for things like orphanage or old folks home. The concept is, no, no, your old people, no, your they elders live, live with you. Elders. No question. You. <laughs> and if somebody passed, you raise their children. That's why so, I got children. <laughs> exactly. Audrey got people right. And so I'm saying all that to say that in the curriculum we tried to develop, and we're still, you know, so it's a battle. Every generation has to fight the, or the battle over again because, we, as you said, we don't pass on the lessons of the victories we've had and the tactics and strategies. It was so beautiful the way you put that. You can't have strategy if you don't have any memory. And then it just becomes all tactic. How do we do this? Wait, how did we do it before? Oh, we did it before? Yeah, see, no, you got to go and study this. We can't fight the same fight. In order for us to do this, we have to remember every generation has to pass it on. So what we did in Philadelphia, we drew from the lessons of New York, the battles in uh, Denver, Colorado, the battles over curriculum in Portland, Oregon, in Atlanta with Asa Hilliard and and the baseline essays that he helped drive. Our people have fought these fights for 200 years. We should not have to fight the same fights. We should be able to build on the victories of the past. The only thing I would add is, is that talking about strategy sometimes is a family conversation. So there are things that aren't shared um, in the bigger context that we need to continue to have in our our, our, our church basements and our community centers yes. and in our homes. So I, 
I understand because I am an operative and I work in these spaces. Some of those conversations are in rooms with no numbers on them and you just go have this conversation and you don't ha go have the conversations in your community. So it's not something that you're necessarily going to share on the airwaves. So I don't, I don't want folks to walk away thinking that just because it's not something that we're talking about loudly means that there is no strategy. That's just not true. That's Unfortunately, true. though, because we aren't connected the way we once were, mm -hmm. where we could share those secret strategies the way we shared them through quilts and basements yes. and, you know, in church groups and things like that. Different messages are drowning out what we need to do next. And I started out this show five years ago trying to dog whistle. Mm. And I realized really quickly that our ears are not in tune to hear things that you can't hear. It's which true. is all a dog whistle is. A dog whistle is a particular note that only certain people can hear. That's fair. But we were not tuned up, aren't we? That that has been atrophied. So when I say things, you either got to trust that there's a message, and then I just had to just just go. And even the outright just telling you what to do. <laughs> what here's what we're gonna do. That wasn't working. So we got a lot of work to do. But let me just go back to Dr. Carr. The Socratic, as I'm saying Socratic method, I'm like, I know he got that from Africa. Yeah. I know that that, yeah, that question course. asking is African. No question. Who's the Soc Socrates of Africa that whose name we can replace the Socratic method with? Do you oh. understand what I'm saying? Oh, because yeah. they even from Kant to Socrates, mm -hmm. they have given us the heroes and the people that have been the purveyors of things that they really weren't. You know, you just raised a very interesting, uh, man, that, whew, talk about a heavy question a heavy observation um umberto eco uh the writer who passed away a couple of years ago uh, a, a new book of his essays has just come out some things he did when he moved back to italy and one of the things it's called on the shoulder of giants and what echo says is that every generation is really coming out of an argument or relationship with the generations before it so what he says is when you see these Europeans come into the Enlightenment period, they're arguing with those who came just before them. But in order to win the argument, they skip over that generation and go back and create a Greece and a Rome to give them a heritage. That He said that's what human beings do. So in Socrates' case, man, what a woman. Socrates, we remember, is forced to drink hemlock. He's forced to commit suicide. His crime, according to the Greeks, is corrupting the youth. But part of the corruption of the youth he's accused of is is really about enabling those young people to have a voice through this question and answer, this Socratic method. The question becomes, why is that considered a crime in Greece? Well, the answer is obvious. That is not how the Greeks did it at the time. Now we come forward and Socrates is a hero. We talk about the Socratic method and law school and graduate school and elementary school. But why are you praising a man who was put to death by the society he was in. They put him to death because it was considered an alien teaching. That's your first clue that it wasn't Greek because the Greeks would have praised him instead of killing him if it was Greek. If it came from I just them. get, you just, that just happened. <laughs> it was Egyptian in other words. That right. is the tradition. No, but I'm saying, yes. I, I didn't come to that <laughs> conclusion until you started with these questions. Yeah. Because I've been talking oh, about the yes. Socratic method for the last, ever, yes. forever. And it didn't dawn on me, which is why we have to have this kind of discourse, which is why we have to talk to no people question. who know more than we do, which is why we have to be challenged. Because oh, 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 you know who a think lot about more. It. Well, no, no, who think about it? I think, well, I think who think about it differently. Right, that's what I'm saying. We have to be. Yeah, because well, well, part, well, part of the reason we have these questions is to help these young people understand that they never stopped engaging in an intellectual practice. Because if we think about it, how did we learn to do what we do? 
Come on. Old people give us the opportunity to fail and to learn and say, come here, boy, tie this. Oh, come here, girl, put that in the, all right, now, what did you do that time? Oh, I didn't, okay, watch me, now do it again. It's the Socratic, it's a very African method. So when people say, well, you know, why we gotta learn about, no, 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 you've been learning it all along. You just, you just don't call it that. You don't call it that. And that's, to me, the thing that lights our people up. When we stop, because right. in, in the method we have now, they call it the, um, what do they call it, the achievement gap. No, 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 no. We're not trying to close the gap between black and white because white scores in this country are mediocre. So we just try to be better mediocre. mediocre? No. As Asa Hilliard said, he said, we're trying to close the gap between ourselves and what we're capable of doing. Come right. on. That's what all human beings should be all trying right. to do. So who do we replace Socrates with? Give me the name. You can, just, you can call it the African, African method. method. You can call, yeah. The African method. No Asa. question. That's the whole continent. Let's take a couple of calls because we got guests that's waiting out in the hallway. <laughs> Let's go to Nairi. <laughs> Nairi in New Jersey. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. You're on with Dr. Gray Carr and Ash Ajua Asamoah. Okay, well, good evening, my beautiful people. Hey, um, I'm a first-time caller, so Karen, Yay! I just want you to know that you are absolutely awesome, and I thank you for sharing yourself because it's necessary. You guys touched on so many different things that actually switched my vein of thought. So let me just say briefly that, one, common sense is not common. And everyone doesn't have the ability to apply logic to life. And this is why it's so necessary that we share ourselves with one another. Even if you feel as though you are planting seeds on barren ground, you plant the seeds. God's grace is sufficient. The rain will come. Because scripture says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. (laughs) And that's the heart of it. You're either conscious or content. There is no in-between. So when you're defining that and when you're defining self and sharing self, then and only then can change really take place. You know, done with the children. Frederick Douglass said it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Yes. So I would implore listeners who have a good mind, because, again, you have a good mind, you have to share yourself. I would implore those who do not mentor to get out and mentor. Share yourselves. It's necessary. Knowledge is power. And again, so much is lost because we're not sharing ourselves. And this is why it's okay to shoot a black man in his vehicle Hmm. or harass a child in the train station. We are the biggest consumers who own nothing. And we have taught other ethnicities that it's okay to do what you please to us because there is no consequence. We will still spend our dollars. We will still support businesses that do not rally our cause. All of that matters. But until those seeds of consciousness are planted, that goes lost. Okay. Yeah, no, you. we've been talking about that for the last five years. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let me take one more call in Detroit. Norm, welcome. Thank you, Irie. Hey. hey. Karen, how you doing? I'm in Detroit today. Okay. So. Anyways, I wanted to ask your guest. When he went to Brazil, did he encounter people in the Quilombos at the in Bahia? Um, the uh, uh, well, not the, well, it's one called Quilombo Kitsiere, it's something mm-hmm. uh, like that. But also, and did he uh, also uh, did he? Did you go to Brazil before? Or better, did you ever hear about the Redim de Negres, where? It deals with the uh, fact that in Brazil they seem to have a thing about killing black women. 
Yes. Uh, and and the Bolson, particularly Bolsonaro's uh, attitude. I mean, this brother here, this guy here, man, is like. But there's a group called Andean Bolsonaro that that have Mujeres yes. that has tried to expose the outright murder of black women. That means yes. women, right? Mujeres. If you can yeah, help yes. me with that. Yes. Okay. First of all, brother, you know, shout out a lot of what we did as well with the curriculum. We based on the work of the folks in Detroit, Kwame Kenyatta and the Detroit School Board, Kay Lovelace, so many others. Long African-centered tradition in Detroit. But Brazil, I wasn't able, we weren't able to go to any of the historical sites of the Quilombos. However, of course, Ganga Zumba, uh, Zumbi of Palmares, the great uh, maroon communities of Brazil. We did get a chance to have long conversations about that. Uh, the murder of black women in Brazil, of course, the epidemic that persists. And, of course, the Donald Trump of Brazil now, Bolsonaro, who was put in place in part with American support. You know, well aware of that. And as well, finally, uh, aware, aware as well of the young people in Brazil, particularly the Afro-Brazilians, women, led by women, including one young woman who, was, as you say, was, was murdered uh, last year. Who was running for office. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that is a global movement. And as we talk about social media and informing to kind of connect, it's something we need to support more and more. But we definitely, we did make it by, however, uh, the house of Mechtela de Jachosi. Had to go to the Catamblay house, brother, because, you know, I saw a big statue of Jesus holding a double-aid axe, and I asked the old man, I said, is that Jesus? I said, he's said yes see i said is that shango he said see because they don't make no distinction see jesus ain't no weakling in uh in cotton blay house <laughs> see, when you see black jesus he's somewhere swinging either a bullwhip or a double head axe because guess what like martin the king we ain't gonna just sit and take this l quietly so we did go by there brother you better tell it all right then not just the jesus with the outstretched hands no nope.